Hey, everybody. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie video podcast, vlog, or whatever you want to call it. Joining me uh, in a totally impromptu, unprepared episode of this podcast is uh, acting Derby Fire Department Chief Dave Leonard. Hey, Chief Leonard. Good morning. Did I get your title right? You did, yes. Yeah. Okay, sorry. As I was saying it, I was like, is this correct? So there has been a natural gas incident ongoing in Derby and Ansonia since about Tuesday morning. Dave, what's the latest you can tell us? It's, it's essentially wrapping up at this point, right? Yeah, the, the major operation has ceased. We actually ceased uh, around 10 o'clock midnight last night. Um, you know, we're at the point now, you know, the um, Eversource, and I keep wanting to call them Yankee Gas, so I apologize if I intermingle the, the terms. But Tell me about um, it. Yeah, Eversource has a, a little bit over 50 customers left in Derby that are still without um, service restored, and that is ma- mainly because they haven't been able to get in to restore the service. So they've left door hangers with instructions. They're instructed to call 877-944-5325. And they'll have a technician come out and uh, restore your service. And then in terms of how this thing unfolded, the process to be restored, because that can be a confusing term from my end when they say restored. It's like a multi-step process. But so first they had to go around, and this started Tuesday night, an army of Eversource workers, crews, and then contractors hired by the utility company mobilized in the Lowe's parking lot off New Haven Avenue in Derby. They were sent out into the field and they basically switched off everyone's gas at the street. Tell me about that. Okay, so the, the, the overall problem with the system was that it basically, uh, they were doing some work on a valve and the valve shut. So they essentially, the easiest way to translate it is they shut off service to a large number of customers, which was about 2,339 was the, uh, the latest exact number they gave us. And across Derby and Ansonia. And basically, so since they shut the service off as people throughout Tuesday morning, was it Tuesday morning at this point? As people throughout Tuesday morning began going about their day and using their gas for their hot water, their furnaces, the, the area that was effectively shut off ran out of gas. So I think one of probably the biggest, um, I guess, mistakes we've made throughout the whole thing was we kept referring it to a, as a gas leak. And, and really there was no leak is more of just the supply was shut off. So if you have, if you have gas appliances, your furnace, your hot water heater, um, you know, anything like that, your, your oven, your stove, they, there was no gas in the system. So if you think about all the appliances that are out there that have a small pilot light lit somewhere on them to, to keep it burning and to, uh, for you to keep it lit, all of those would have gone out. So the safest way to, do everything was they had to physically go around and shut the gas service off, which usually could be done at the meter. So they, they went to the uh, Tuesday night, they assembled and they went around to all the addresses and shut the gas off at the meter. Then they were able to repressurize, if you will, their system. So the pipes in the street. And then the final phase was they had to go into your house or into people's houses or businesses. And they had to physically turn the gas back on and then make sure all the appliances came back up safely too, or relit pilot lights, things like that. Now well, I saw, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. You know, and it's, again, it's labor intensive, 2,300 locations. The Eversource, uh, they, they did call an army. At one point they had about 300 personnel on the ground, according to what they told us, you know, which is a very large logistical operation for any organization to undertake. Um, 
and they, you know, they set it up in the parking lot of Lowe's. Like, you know, there was a lot of buzz, but that was the staging area with the command post was there also. Yeah. And, and then in terms of the initial problem, uh, Mitch Gross, the spokesman for Eversource explained it to me. Well, we had a malfunctioning valve that caused a backup. Uh, we dug it up and replaced the valve. Uh, you had said they were, they were doing some road work. Like where was the road work happening or, or the maintenance or whatever they were doing? They had dug uh, up something. It was on Route 34. On, uh, on the low side of town or the, the oh, good no, side yeah, of town where on, I live? The, the east side of Derby. Yeah, the east side of Derby on 34. Okay, so that's, that's where the problem uh, and, was. And, you know, I, a cautionary tale to this whole thing was, if you remember a few years ago in northern Massachusetts, there was a situation where they, in, in other words, they had the opposite problem. So for a lot of people who were worried about, you know, oh, well, why do they have to come into our homes? Why do they have to make sure they have lights? A few years ago in Northern Mass, they had a situation where the, the lines received too much pressure. And what was basically happening was it was turning all those little pilot lights into mini flamethrowers. You know, so you, you ask why Eversource or people are asking why they had so many people here, why they had to get in everyone's homes, why they had to shut it off. You just need to look at that event in a comparison of a worst case scenario where they had the opposite problem. Instead of the system having no gas, they had way too much. And it started I, you know, off the top of my head around like 40 to 60 buildings on fire. Mm. You know, so when, when everything was done out of, out of you know, caution and safety and it, it was done in a normal way, it's just, again, you know, 2,300 locations of having to physically go and turn a wrench to shut it off and then go back and light it takes time. Yeah, and I saw there was at least one person in one of the community groups who was asking, well, uh, can I turn my pilot light back on? This was a day ago or so, but uh, and I immediately reached out to Eversource and they said by no, do right. not do that. Well, they, and, and again, they were very adamant. They wanted, they wanted the responsibility of doing all that, which I think was good from them. Um, on the fire department side of things, we actually received a phone call about 9.30 in the morning for a gas leak on New Haven Avenue. Now, and what, what happened was a lady had went to start cooking and noticed... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to ask you exactly where the gas leak was, but you're answering it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and she, she went to go start cooking and realized there was no gas coming out of her stove. So she, you know, in a, uh, out of safety purposes, called the fire department because she thought it was very odd. And that's kind of what led us down the rabbit hole. Uh, by about 2 p.m. in the afternoon, you know, we began deploying um, more resources. At that point, we put uh, all of the fire companies in Derby on standby. We called firefighters to the firehouses. And we weren't on at that point too. We weren't hundred percent sure what the exact issue was and our fear of there being some kind of large scale leak everywhere. And I, I hate to say there are very few cities in the state or in the country that understand the dangers of a gas leak like we do in Derby. And um, so we, we put all those crews on uh, and I guess uh, one moment that I found I had a call. So there are ladder truck is, is uh, out of service and Ansonia is covering us. So I called Ansonia to have them have a crew on their ladder truck. And at the time, we didn't realize that the majority of the, the houses were actually in Ansonia. So we involved the Ansonia Fire Department right off the bat as our immediate backup, uh, along with Shelton, um, Orange, Wood, or excuse me, Shelton Orange and the Seymour Fire Departments uh, through our mutual aid. We notified all them. And then it was very, very rapidly after that that we I had to call Chief Eamon back from Ansonia and inform him that as much as this was my problem, it was just as much his problem, too. You must have loved so, hearing that. <laughs> yeah. So um, at that point, we decided, you know, the, the and, you know, behind the scene things, we as the, the management of the fire service, we train for these types of events, you know, large scale, long duration events, but you, you don't see them as typical around here. And uh, 
you know, just for background, the training basically comes out of the lessons learned from out West where they have the wildfires and, the, and you know, when you're deploying 10,000 firefighters and emergency personnel over the period of two months, you know, they, they put together a lot of good training programs. So we established what's called a unified command post. Uh, we notified the regional hazardous materials team. We also notified the, uh, Fairfield County's hazardous materials team because they have some command resources, which if you were there with us, you saw the giant uh, fire department command post that we had that was from the uh, mid Fairfield County hazmat team. You know, so uh, during the, the, throughout the course of the incident in Derby, we had about 35 to 40 firefighters on standby. Uh, EMS personnel were also called in with the ambulance corps and their hazmat team. And then also we responded to about 25, uh, 26 incidents related to gas calls, smell of gases, um, those types of events throughout the, the, the day. Uh, ironically, the last gas call we had was actually when they turned the gas back on the Derby Milford Road area, we had a gas leak at the East End Firehouse. So uh, that was our last call of the night was to go back to the East End Firehouse and fix the problem there. And then how do you, how do you, well, you know, a gas leak call like that comes in an odor of propane or natural gas or whatever. How, how's that whole call handled? You go in there with meters. How does that, yes, how does that uh, work? So and was it, was it any different? Was it any different uh, over the last day or so considering, uh, you know, the fact that you had this incident going on? No, not really. It's, you know, they're, they're, I hate to say for us, you know, odor of gas calls are, are routine. They're, they're part of our normal business. So each fire company in Derby carries a, a meter capable of uh, sensing levels of explosive gases in the air. It also senses CO and a couple other different gases. So for us, it's a very routine call, uh, you know, and we go off the meter readings that tell us what to do from there. If we go in and we find no readings, which is what we're always hoping for, it's a lot easier than, um, you know, specifically if we go in and start finding readings, because now you're, you start playing a little bit of a detective game and um, trying to trace the source of where the leak is coming from. And uh, in fortunately, in the majority of all these calls with that, I hate to say, with the exception of the East End last night, we actually didn't really have gas in any of the um, we did have one uh, gas incident on South Division Street, which is a lot of people in Derby kind of forget about that street, which is the street under the Division Street Bridge by McDonald's there. If you're on the river walk, you can look across and see it. We did have one uh, gas incident over there during uh, the operation, which was yesterday morning. But again, since we had the unified command post with the Eversource personnel in the command post, as soon as we got the call for the gas leak, as we deployed our forces, they deployed theirs. So it, it made the situation, you know, go, progress a lot quickly. Yeah, that's and then in terms of like that South Division Street one and the East End hose one, what was the, the nature of the problem? Like, what was well, actually the, going on there? East hose actually when they they uh, we, the pilot light had gone out, and the Division Street one was a a, a leak in the system um, that I, I don't know. It might have been there for a while, and the you know the the they just nobody nobody noticed it or paid attention to it or worried about it. Hmm. So that's good to hear. Yeah, it was the it was pretty. Uh, you know, I went over Tuesday, and thank you very much for Correct. for reaching out and for everything you did. Uh, it seems like over the last week, but it's only been a few days to keep the public informed with those videos. You know, especially in the social media world, people want updates every ten minutes, uh, which can be very hard to do when everyone's still figuring out what was going on. And that much of Tuesday was. I mean, I was sitting in that parking lot. 
uh, afraid to get out of my car because I was like, I'm not going to throw me right out of here if they know I'm a reporter. So I was hiding for a good 45 minutes, uh, you know, getting ready to cover the election that night. But it turned out a lot of what was going on there. They were screening all their workers for COVID, from what I right. understand. There was a, a lot of, again, it's logistics, you know, and that's a lot of the, the larger incidents, the longer duration, the duration incidents, it becomes logistic driven. You know, where do you house, feed, you know, where do they go to the bathroom? Uh, things like that begin to play into it. And, you know, the, the, the whole time that we were there, the whole time we were doing this, again, we had that unified command post. You had the fire department, the ambulance corps, the police department, the mayor's office, public works, all there for both cities, Derby and Ansonia. And as much as uh, throughout this, and I'll even go back to the tropical storm in the, uh, a couple of months ago, you know, my, my Facebook uh, updates or my videos have given us in the fire department a good, a good PR perspective. But none of that's done without first, you know, running it through the other departments, running it through. Uh, you know, I've seen some comments about how, like, well, where's the mayor? Where's the mayor? You know, uh, I'm not posting any of those without the mayor and I discussing them ahead of time. And, and our, uh, you know, our opinion has always been it's good when people have one familiar face. You know, people feel much more comfortable. Uh, and, and that's kind of one of the reasons why it's fallen on me recently with some of these incidents, but I, I, you know, I kind of laughed at a couple of comments where they said, Oh, the mayor has been absent. You know, the mayor was there with us in that command post for hours and hours at a time, uh, you know, on the phone helping out, you know, there, there are times where we were having, you know, we were waiting for information from Eversource and we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, you know, you kind of got to kick it up a little bit and you, you asked now the mayor to get involved. So it, it helps a lot. Uh, another person that was a great help was representative Clairdis. You know, she was, there. I saw her show up. Yeah. 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 You know, she was there for a while and, you know, she was able to, to help us a couple of times, you know, get some information, help us, you know, make connections and who to talk to type things. Uh, you know, and the, the, one of the difficulties we have is, you know, in the fire service, we have very delineated command structures. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it's paramilitary. I'm the fire chief. I give my instructions, my orders, and my guys carry them out. And we work like that. When you start dealing with third parties, uh, private corporations, there's different layers. Uh, we were asking for a message from Eversource to go out on the uh, the code red system or whatever the the alert system is that you're the that they have nowadays, and we were waiting for it for a little while. And you know, like in their world, it has to go to corporate, and then it's got to go through legal, and they've got to make sure it's all correct. We're a lot a lot of times in the fire service, we're much more okay. This is what needs to be done. Do it versus dealing with like a corporate structure. So those were kind of just a little bit of the difficulties that we had um, in dealing you know, with a, a, a corporation rather than you know, us on our, on our turf, if you will. Yeah. But most of them by the end of the first night were, were solved. You know, by, by Tuesday night, like 10, 9, 10 o'clock, we had a good uh, you know, who's who, couple meetings went by, just a couple of uh, you know, meet and greets of over who we're supposed to talk to. And after that, it went very smoothly. I, I think Eversource did a great job of keeping us updated. They did a great job of, of coordinating with us if they needed us places and how to deploy us. So initial hiccups, but once we got the machine moving, it went very well. Yeah, and, and you brought up a good point uh, talking about the mayor. I mean, I'm just a small one-person news site uh, you know, in Derby and Ansonia, but... Sometimes, like from my perspective, I'm just trying to get information out there. You get it in, you try to get it out, and you don't think about sometimes you don't think about where the information's coming from. You'll see what an official said, you just want to get the accurate info out there. And I will say, because I saw some of the posts being like, Where's the mayor? Maybe one or two. The 
you would, we had been in contact. Uh, and then once Mayor Zekin called me on my phone, I don't think I put this on in the story, but he called me, he said like, Hey, here's what we go. We hear, we, here's what we have going on. And I said, Oh, I just talked to, to you. And I just talked to Eversource. Uh, but once he called, I said, Oh, okay, this is really something because <laughs> you didn't know, you know, there's the election was going on and that's what got me over to uh, report on it in person. And I saw the mayor was there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point just because you see, uh, something attributed to somebody that person represents the, the really an administration so and the same thing with i gotta say eversource mitch gross he's their spokesman he uh this morning 6 30 a.m uh sent me an update about what was going on and, and yesterday too and, and that's pretty that's that's rare especially when it's not like i'm uh the new york times i'm a guy with a bad mustache I, in my basement yeah you know it's it's and i i when we were discussing media, you know, we explained to them the importance of the Valley Indy. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> you know, we did. I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to toot your horn, but we explained to them how in our area, you're, you're an immediate source of news and, and you're probably one of the best uh, because of your, you know, and it's all social media nowadays. And the fact that you're all social media driven, you're probably one of the best people to get information to, to get it out to, to our small area. So it's interesting, like, and the other, and this is totally off. Maybe nobody even cares about this, but just the way Facebook is. So you've got the Ansonia community group, the Derby community group. I run a Derby community group. You got the Valley Indy and you'll see like, nobody's reading all those Facebook groups. It's very hard to, all right, here's what's going on. But then five minutes later, someone will ask because they didn't see it. It's, it's very, it's becoming correct. very difficult to get info out. Uh, I mean, it gets out there, know, but. Handling the fire department social media. If we go to put a message out, I think there's like seven groups that I have to share, you know, find the group, share, find a group to send it out. So sending out information. It, it, the good thing is it hits, you know, I mean, you know, you could see the statistical data. You're hitting three, 4,000 people within moments of putting it out. Mm. So it, it has become a massive tool uh, in our toolbox, especially during emergencies to keep people informed, keep sometimes keep people away. Um, from areas during an emergency. And it is it is an emerging field. I hate to say we keep saying social media is an emerging field. It's been around for a while, but it just seems like it, it, it's much easier and quicker to get the word out that way. Mm. And then that first night, that Tuesday night, I mean, you also had the the election going on. Uh, what, did you, were you right through the night? You looked a little glassy-eyed the next morning. Uh, is yeah, that what that was? So, uh, you know, uh, Chief Claude was the initial incident commander. He arrived on scene about two o'clock. I got there about four thirty, quarter to five. I relieved him. Uh, I stayed at the command post until around 2 a.m. Uh, at that point, we, you know, we, we start working what we call operational cycles and, you know, we start planning ahead. Well, if I have to be here from here to here, who's here from here to here and start scheduling things out. So I, I stayed till about two. We had one of the other fire officers come in from two to six. Uh, another one came in from six to about eight. And then about eight 30, I returned till around two. Then chief Glode took back over from two. Uh, Chief Biggs took over for a little while. So we, we did have a cycle, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I went home at two, got up again at six and, and we're back out. And, but it, again, the whole time we were rotating, we had members at the firehouse that were there for the duration, you know? Yeah. And I had, I had heard one call Dave that in Seymour as well, like they had, everyone had manned their stations. Is that yes. right? Uh, so, you know, again, the, the, the pluses of the Valley, you know, being the, the small tight knit communities that we are, when, when anything happens, when, when this first happened, my first call, like I said, was to, to uh, Chief Eamon. My second call was to Chief Jones from Shelton Fire to let him know. And Shelton Fire actually did backfill their firehouses to cover us. And then my next call was to Chief Lombardi in Seymour uh, to tell him what was going on and to keep him uh, situated. Then I called Chief Dumas in Orange to let him know. 
And it, it's very common, you know, like you said, it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people don't think about. But when one of the towns gets a major incident, we, we let the other communities around us know, because if anything escalates or if we need more help, we're going to start drawing them in. So it's always better to kind of get them ramped up and, and staged than, than be behind the eight ball and really need them. And then I don't know if it came to fruition, but that first night, Tuesday night was cold. Uh, and I know there was some, somebody posted on one of the pages, my 80 year old mother, uh, you know, is alone and cold. Uh, what was the plan uh, for anybody who might've needed shelter? I don't know. Uh, I heard some source actually at that time had a, a, a thing where you could go to a hotel and their instructions were just go to a hotel um, and, and they will take care of the bill. I guess you have to submit the bill. Uh, they also, through their call center, they had some things set up to help uh, relocate people if needed. I don't know if how many people took advantage of that. That's, I mean, well, that's good that it wasn't. I guess it could have been worse had it been in the middle of the dead of winter. Correct. It, it like wasn't that, that yeah. cold. And then thankfully, you know, yesterday was kind of warm. So it, it, that, that was one thing that played in our favor. All right. And then in terms of my last question, and then maybe there's others that I'm missing, but uh, thanks for just uh, for doing this with absolutely no notice in terms of don't the... realize how good we are at doing like between this and our podcast <laughs> shooting from the hip or we're good. You're easy to talk to. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, I just did a, well, all right. How about, uh, you know, I'm not exactly comfortable with the background all the time either, but I, I mean, do I'm, have, I, I should, I, I Wait, just, I, I'm completely okay with your background right now. I yeah, mean, it's, I, it's, in, it's in the past, but you know. I just realized, yeah, that's the guy we're talking to right there. I didn't vote for him. I don't want, I just happened to steal this. No, what happened was, uh, yeah, you were in my ward, although you Correct. since moved out of it. Uh, yeah, that was with permission. That was on a, on a lawn under the snow. I just want people to know. I'm not, re I don't remember how I got that one, but uh, they're not <laughs> stolen. Uh, now I forgot what my last question was. Oh, in terms of COVID, COVID-19, there's a resurgence going on. Uh, in terms of your responses now, has that affected, uh, like, w w was the FDA? Uh, yeah, so we, we initiated a, a, a COVID response plan. You know, obviously back in March, we, we identified four phases of, um, of our operations. And, um, you know, we were in phase three. And uh, of our re return to normal operation, and then with the uptick in COVID, we, we reverted back to phase two, which um, we, we limit. There's no more than 10 members allowed in the firehouse at any time. Obviously, masks must be worn when responding to incidents and at the firehouse. We've canceled all in-person training and uh, canceled all meetings other than via Zoom or via distance purposes. So, uh, you know, I... It, it falls much, much more on the ambulance corps and Brian Mezapel has, has had his, you know, hands full with, with the COVID, the fire department side of things, you know, we don't respond to medical calls. So that part of the equation is out, but you know, we, we always ask the questions when arriving on a scene of anybody, you know, does anyone in the house have a fever experiencing COVID symptoms, anything like that. So it, we really just stepped back um, to our, our previous level um like everybody, we went back to step two, basically. Okay, good. Uh, Chief Leonard, is there anything else you wanted to add about uh, this incident? No, uh, I, I just want to, you know, again, thank, you know, the, the, the members for their hard work. A lot of guys put a, uh, from the fire department spent a lot of time working on these things. And, uh, you know, the, the public was great. We didn't really have many problems. Uh, you know, we actually had some people that wanted to message us. They wanted to know if we needed food, if we needed things. And, and you know, that we're all set with. Uh, you know, there's, there's several things in this world you really don't have to worry about. And the fireman eating is one of them. Um, so I, I just want to thank everybody for their support and all that. And again, thank the members for the job they did. Uh, we are going to be, you know, now where we go from here, from the fire department, 
Uh, we do what's called an after action review. So we've already sent out the forms, you know, it's paperwork world um, to all the entities, all the members that were involved for feedback and we'll sit down and review it and go over the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, problems that we came up with, uh, solutions we came up with and how to kind of adjust our response. So that if something, God forbid, like this happens again, we're better prepared. So that'll be kind of our, so as much as you, everyone's like, oh, the incident's over, you know, on the emergency service sides of things myself, all the emergency management of both Derby and Sonia, we have a lot of paperwork to do from here out. Cool. Yeah, everything's a learning lesson. And I, I would assume Eversource is doing the same, uh, the same task. I, I should probably give them a call as well. So yeah. Good All right, Chief Leonard, thank you for everything. No problem, pal. We'll see you at the next one at the way this year's going. Yeah, right.